Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on May the 16th, 2011. Newcomers, look into the website cuttingthroughthematrix.com and help yourself to the audios you'll find there. You'll also find a list of other sites I've got. These are all the official sites and they all carry transcripts as well of the talks. A lot of the talks, not all of them, but a lot of them and uh, you can print them up and pass them around to your friends as well. If you want transcripts in other languages, go into Alan Watt Sentinel, sentinel.eu, and help yourself from the variety offered there. And also, remember too, that you are the audience that bring me to you. So if you want to hear more of this, this kind of alternate information, where I try to fill in all the background behind the stories that you get. That's what they are, they're stories, really. Lots of them are really children's stories they call news, but I fill in, in the backgrounds because your mind is, uh, you're giving your perceptions by generally omission. They give you half, half of a story and they omit the rest of it. And, of course, you're left with uh, thinking about the desired conclusion, which is the one they lead you to. You have no option but to go to it with half the information missing. So I try and fill it all in for you to make your own minds up and get a better perspective of what they're talking about. And you can buy the books and discs I've got for sale at cuttingthroughmates.com and from the U.S. to Canada. You can use a personal check. You can also use an international postal money order from your post office. You can send cash or you can use PayPal to order. You'll find the donation button on the com site and follow it up with an email with name, address, and order, and I'll get it out to you. And remember, two straight donations are really, really appreciated. Across the rest of the world, you've got Western Union and MoneyGram, and again, PayPal to order using the donation button. And straight donations, once again, are also very, very welcome. Because, as we all know, we're going into austerity. Austerity is done by the power of the purse. And many writings in the past said eventually, towards the end of this Marxist-type system, with the fascists on top uh, running it all, they'd, uh, they'd bring out the power of the purse to get what they wanted to happen. And that, that included Agenda 21, of course, where they priced gasoline off the market until only the very rich could drive at all. Uh, because eventually in Agenda 21 they said they want essential vehicles only on the roads. That's ones authorized by government. Uh, so you'll be very much like the Soviet Union, which was the model, and the big uh, limos would drive around there on empty streets, uh, knocking people off the, the road, if they were walking, that is. And the ordinary folk just had to take the, the, the buses or, or bicycle or whatever, or shanks pony it, as they say, to wherever they were going. That's the system they're bringing in called austerity. And there's never been a time in history where we've been ruled by so many Neros and kings, basically. At least people living king lifestyles, like the G20 do at all their amazing meetings they have, and go through billions of your dollars in security, and another billion or so on all the food that they eat, and expensive, very rare champagnes and wines and so on. And we pay for all of that because, you see, we're not in a democratic system after all. We never really were, 
and the Club of Rome, one of the main think tanks for the United Nations, have pretty well verified that on their own website. We're post-democratic. Democracy, they say, just doesn't work. You see too many people all vying for power, and they can get nothing done with the big agenda, and the big agenda must go forward. Therefore, there's a parallel government, the Margaret Thatcher called it, when she retired from from supposedly being Prime Minister, joined the House of Lords. Uh, but she belonged to the parallel government where ex-politicians, ex-leaders of governments and bureaucrats too, the top positions, all knew each other and belonged to an organization which was not responsible to the public, they're not voted in, and they could get the big jobs done, the big building, the world jobs done. That's the Council on Foreign Relations in the U.S., Royal Institute of International Affairs for Britain, and they have their Department for International Affairs for, of course, the European Union now, too. Back with more after this break. Hi, folks. We're back, cutting through the matrix. And the articles that I mentioned tonight, I'll put the links up, remember, at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. After the broadcast, and hopefully you'll, you'll go through them and pick up some of the PDFs and so on. I mentioned to PDFs are very important from the big organisations like the United Nations because they're far more explicit in the world they're bringing in for you, as opposed to the articles through newspapers about the United Nations. Better get it from the horse's mouth yourself, and, and you can see what they're up to. But uh, they're very confident, of course, because they know they're the biggest, richest people on the planet backing them. And they have the parallel government, again, with the foundations, with trillions of dollars, and their massive armies of non-governmental organizations that pretend they're non-political as they push through political agendas across the whole planet. So they're not answerable to the public, and they get what they want always. And it's, it's pretty well institutionalized in government now to deal with NGOs as a special group as opposed to a, a, a citizen or even a citizen's group from an area complaining about the local waterworks or something. No, they listen to the NGOs because they've got special status. We live in a, an age, isn't it, where you have special people with special status. There's lots of different tiers of them. And it's very Marxist, of course, but it was designed to be that way too because that's the way they want to control you. It's much easier to do it through a form of what they pretend is socialism and uh, to get you to go along with everything via law. And last week I mentioned the Rio Air Summit, uh, is the, the second one is coming up in 2012, the Air Summit 2012, and uh, they call it the Rio Plus 20 uh, for 20 years between the two. And, of course, from the Rio I read off all the different um, agendas that came out of that, including all the, the carbon stuff and yada, 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 and Agenda 21 and sustainable development, and on it went into austerity too, which must come with it. I've also read articles in the past from members of this group that said there must never be another America, another U.S. In fact, the best thing they said is to deindustrialize the U.S. completely and literally demolish all the old factories that are standing and so on, just get rid of all traces of it and bring you back to basically the Stone Age, I suppose. But uh, And these guys are radical enough in their views to do it. Of course, they themselves won't suffer. They see themselves as being above all that. They're up in this sort of world managerial class, you understand. You know, they're the ones who will get invited to the G20 for, for, for their, their big expensive meals and stuff. So anyway, I'll put a link up tonight on the Air Summit 2012, and it's got vision, cooperation, transformation. These are all rubbish. It's always got a slogan to go with it. Like Lenin said, we win by slogans. 
and smear tactics. But anyway, um, it says that Stakeholder Forum has set up the site as an information hub to provide updates, background information, and analysis towards the Rio Plus 20. It's intended this site will also act as a platform to connect organizations, that's all your NGOs and foundations, and stakeholders interested in engaging in the preparatory process. He will find ways to get involved in the lead-up to the summit and support global efforts towards achieving sustainable development. Fantastic. None of this goes through uh, your politicians, does it? I mean, they never come up bringing these kind of things up when you vote them in. It's the same with NAFTA and the free trade agreement before that for um, uniting the Americas. Uh, It's always jobs and schooling and stuff like that and pensions that talk about health care as they demolish any, any thing that used to work. And, but they never talk about these big, big things like this, do they? Or the G20 itself, which is now really a super government in itself. We don't vote for the G20. We simply have to obey it, we're told. Anyway, so the link for the Air Summit 2012. And if you scroll down, you'll find also their PDF, uh, which you can download from the, their site as well. And you should keep up with this stuff because it tells you where you're going. Now, the summit itself is nothing more than a big rah-rah and a love-in for all the NGOs. The thousands of the NGO groups are flown over by your tax money as well. They've even got your tax money paid so they can go over and pretend they're, they're, they're the big cheering crowd for the, all of these changes to come in. And uh, it's just astonishing, again, how things have really changed and they, they even mentioned the fact, by the way, that they've, they've got all this institutionalized into governments now. So they're part of, they see themselves as part of government, and technically they are. They're all appendages of government. They're institutionalized, but they want their agendas institutionalized. But for those who don't know what that means, it means that, that every course, just like all the other political correct courses that are out there, they must be brought up at the beginning of every lecture in university, at the beginning Regardless of whatever you're going to teach, you must bring up the feminism and all the other stuff, all the isms, to show you that you're very liberal and you're, you're a good little Marxist professor or whatever, and and then it's okay. Then you can maybe get on with what you're talking about. Uh, it's the same thing too. So it's going to be institutionalized in your universities, uh, like a religion, uh, if it's not already, and um, and with government too. And that's how they do it. Until it's a religion they're building up. They're using religious tactics to create this new religion of greening the world and having you all serve it, basically. See, before the Council on Foreign Relations, it came up with all these ideas and the United Nations and created it all. They wanted everyone to be born in the future to serve the world state. That would be your function. You would serve the world state. And this way, you're going to do it regardless under the greening and austerity and all the rest of it, survivability measures. One way or another, they always get what they want. So download the PDF and go through it for those who are really serious students. Most folk are not serious. You know that, too. There's so much data thrown at you every day. It's a lot of it titillating and gossipy and all the rest of it. But it really doesn't change anything. Uh, and, and to really find out the things that are changing what's going on, they're kind of dry and they're boring, they're non-sexy, and, uh, and people don't want to read it. Or if they do, they'll glance over a, a paragraph or so, then forget it. Uh, they're always going to go back to it, but they never do. And then they forget all about it. They delete it from their memory, because how much can you hold in your, in, in your one brain? Hmm? As you're getting 
hit with hundreds and hundreds of new items every day. You've got to be discerning in what you think about and what you allow into your head and what you want to retain. So remember, look into that one. Now, under austerity uh, measures, uh, this announced in Britain, uh, and Britain's got an awful record every year now of thousands of people dying in their homes every year because they can't afford the heating fuel. And that's now normalized. into Again, that's institutionalized into normalcy, into society. And, of course, Britain's been hammered and plundered like crazy with all the debts. Now they've got to pay off other countries' debts because they made this deal. And all. I hate saying Britain because that's not Britain. Britain's a corporation. It's not the people. And the people in parliaments really serve the corporation. And they're now a sub-corporation of a European corporation. So they've got to now pay off the debts of other failing countries. What a great deal, isn't it, for the bankers, that your debts will always be paid off. Now you can give it more massive loans, knowing it's going to all uh, go under eventually with compound interest, uh, and they're guaranteed payment by the rest of them having to, to bail out one or two countries or whatever. But these are the cons that are worked out at the top. So this article here, as from the BBC, and it says, rising fuel bills may force a quarter of homes to turn off their heating at some point next winter. A price comparison site claims, Unswitch says that last winter an estimated 20% of people that surveyed had regularly turned off their heating. And it predicts that with fuel tariffs expected to rise, the number will be higher this year. The Bank of England said this week that, that gas prices, that's heating gas, uh, could rise by 15% later this year, and electricity by 10%. So it's like a religion now. There's nothing left, you see, except hope that some god's going to help. This is pray for a mild winter. Why, what nonsense. Eh? Pray for a mild winter when you're getting sprayed every darn day to bring on different kinds of weather. Anyway, it says that um, a survey of almost six, one, 1,600 of its customers carried out in January had said that 20% had turned off their heating regularly in order to save money. Uh, and the firm spokesman, Anne Robson, the former chairman of Energy Watch, says this time it's going to be a minimum of 25%. And the Bank of England says it's going to be worse, actually. Uh, it says the Bank of England's predictions are true. She calculates that the average British household will have to find an extra £148 over the next year for this. And, and there's another article here, too, by the way. They're going to pay, uh, it's going to hit about £160 extra this year just to pay for the increase on the European Union's uh, politi- uh, politicians' pensions uh, this year too. So it's just amazing that they keep putting these. Well, what are taxpayers for, eh? In, in a new feudal system, this is what taxpayers are for. You just plunder them, and that's how. That's what they are. I don't know what they think they are. I mean, what did they? What did they really think they are? We're going to get something back from all of this? What age or era or, or planet are they on? Never mind memory. Did they have any memory at all? And in this article here, too, is from uh, Australia, I think it is. Uh, it says, um, from the Daily Telegraph, a tax on carbon won't work because it won't lower the temperature of the globe, said National Party member Warren Trust. Well, isn't that <laughs> the truth, eh? We're going to throw money in the air. Maybe they'll cut down the sunshine by putting a, a, a blanket of dollars across the sky, eh? Speaking on Networks 10's meeting the press program, the federal member for White Bay is attending an anti-carbon tax rally at Port Macquarie on the New South Wales mid-north coast 
this afternoon. Australians are very angry, very angry about the increased cost of carbon tax and it will bring to, to their living. And they're also concerned about the loss of Australian jobs. Flyers promoting the rally do not accept the science that carbon dioxide is a global warming gas or that people can do much to stop the climate change. Obviously, the climate change has been, uh, climate has been changing for a long, long time. It's always changing. Uh, there are more people on the earth now than ever, so that clearly has an influence, Mr. Truss said. However, it's quite obvious that attacks on Australians will not lower the temperature of the globe. And ain't that the truth, eh? But it doesn't matter. Any con will do. Just get a slogan or two and, and a mantra and, and just keep saying it. And people will follow and, okay, got to pay carbon taxes, eh? That's all it takes, you know. It doesn't take much persuasion these days. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix. And a few years ago I mentioned and read bits out of a book that was called uh, Political Ponderology. And it was about psychopaths and psychopathy and how, how their minds work, basically. And I've explained psychopaths in pretty deep detail in the past, how they, they basically are pure ego, and how they study people from an even early childhood. They don't feel emotions as you do. Uh, they have no empathy for others. They feel emotions when it comes to themselves and how happy they are or, or sad or horny even because um, they, they don't have qualms about normal emotional issues at all. And they actually say that they enjoy sex better than other people because they have no inhibitions whatsoever. Uh, no guilt complex is nothing. and it just doesn't stand, Nothing stands in their way. And that goes for raping people too, of course. And we know that they get up high into high positions in business and banking and politics. Uh, our whole history is, is much of the same kind of stuff as Dominique can, of course, or Strauss, I should say, uh, as Strauss can. And um, with his latest adventure, if it happened in France, uh, you'd never have heard of it. General, most of it would have never have heard of it because his, his top socialist is, is, is actually being groomed to be the next takeover for the Socialist Party in France. They're very, very socialist. And they cover up uh, things like this, like rapes and so on. But um, it's got a, a long history of doing the same thing. And you've got to understand that the world that these top psychopaths live in. Now, you know, Dominic Strauss-Kahn is the head of the, the International Monetary Fund. He gets very aggressive when interviewed about certain policies they've had in the past. He'll become very aggressive with the interviewer if they touch on the fact that he, they'll, they'll actually plunder countries, the IMF. When they get them into debt first, plunder the country, they'll get their own generals in there, create martial law to make it safe for business, uh, devalue the currency, and then they bring in all the big international corporations to use slave labor. They've done this all across the planet. This is, so everything goes under the guise of helping under the UN umbrella, even though it's all private organizations, including the banks here and the IMF. Uh, are really plunderers. He's well named Dominic, you know, for dominating, because that's his whole personality. And they get off on dominating people. But when you're at that kind of level, and you go to the high world level meetings of things, I've just, I've read from the air before from mainstream 
articles to do with the G20s and different ones, how every country, including Canada, lovely little pristine Canada, uh, loves to, they, they put on uh, basically whores for them, male or female, young and all, because no laws apply to these guys having diplomatic immunity generally. And your taxpayer, you the taxpayer funds all of this. It's just, it's just astonishing and disgusting. The real, when you understand what you really live under and the hypocrisy of it all. But they see the little people down below as really like termites. That's all we are, little termites or ants at the bottom. And characters like this guy, uh, Dominique here, think nothing of, they're getting fed prostitutes all the time. Uh, by countries on, on visits, like royal visits they get. And so when they grab maids or whatever and rape them, it's no big deal to them. They, they think it's their right. And they'll rationalize it. Psychopaths rationalize whatever they do. Whatever it is. Killing millions, whatever, through revolutions. They, they, they can rationalize it all. Plundering the public through, through austerity, they'll rationalize that as well. They live very well, you see. Anyway, it says the court documents provide graphic description of alleged Strauss-Kahn attacks. Again, this is, this is the latest one that's coming to light. Many more will come forward now because they were all threatened in the past with really nasty things if they did. And you could, the women are, and, and guys too are very afraid of these people. They mean business. And they have the power to have you bumped off, disposed off, whatever, you know. That's the real world. That's the real world. Forget all this court stuff, you know. Anyway, this happened in the States where he came over in a private business, probably trying to see how much money he scammed off uh, all the bailouts for himself in his private accounts. Anyway, that's just my opinion. It says court documents reveal that IMF Chief Dominic Strauss-Kahn uh, faces seven charges, including criminal sexual acts in the first degree, attempted rape, sexual abuse, and unlawful pr- imprisonment. Strauss-Kahn's legal team, led by hotshot defense attorney Benjamin Braffman, will have to present their case in the next hearing, scheduled for Friday, May 20th. After uh, having conf- confirmation of the charges, the board of the IMF held an informal meeting to discuss the situation. The recently leaked documents provide a detailed account of the prosecution's case against the French-born managing director of the IMF. The official document puts the alleged attack at about 12 on May the 14th, as constituted by Detective Stephen Lane of Special Victims Squad. And it says, in a pretty graphic description of the situation, Strauss-Kahn is said to have engaged, he dragged this woman down a corridor and into the bedroom, eh? is, is said to have engaged in oral sexual conduct, and, and then, then he buggered her as well uh, by forcible compulsion. After shutting the door to prevent the 32-year-old uh, Sofitel maid to escape, the IMF chief is accused of having uh, grabbed informant's breast without consent, attempted to pull down informant's pantyhose, forcibly grabbed informant's uh, vaginal area, Forcibly made contact with his penis and informant's mouth twice and was able to accomplish the above acts by using actual physical force. According to the, the FT, the Criminal Sexual Act charge, which counts as a violent felony, carries a maximum sentence of 25 years in prison. Well, that will never happen with this guy. He's too powerful. Strauss, too many friends, you know, too many associations, clubs and lodges he belongs to. Strauss Kahn was charged with two such counts. Attempted rape carries a maximum sentence up to 15 years in prison, and sexual abuse is punishable up to seven years in prison. And I'll put up more of these links tonight, too, after the broadcast. Back after this.
You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. We're back, cutting through the matrix. Just a touch, too, on the White House releasing a statement on the Strauss-Kahn situation, expressing their confidence that the institution of the International Plunder Fund, sorry, the Monetary Fund, remained fully functional. We obviously won't comment on a legal matter. No, no, not not where this is concerned, they won't, because, you see, he's a very important guy, and the IMF has a big, big job as it takes over the bookkeeping of all countries across Europe and elsewhere. That's what it's supposed to do now, come up to its high position, and they really don't need... Uh, these characters uh, doing what they do, generally do in private with paid, you know, you know what, by the taxpayer, paid for the, by the taxpayer in big meetings. They don't like that sneaking into the papers at all. And you'd be surprised just exactly what goes on. You'd be awfully, awfully surprised. Under the, this cloak of respectability is a, an awful lot of slime. An awful lot of slime across the board, and it's always really been that way because the psychopaths rise to the top, and this is how they behave. That's it. Simple as that. So I'll put these links up from different newspapers and so on, and you can read them for yourself. But uh, uh, what can you say? He'll probably get off with it. Anyway, coalition commits Britain to uh, legally binding emission cuts. So now. Britain has to legally try to or match these emission cuts that they promised about. And Chris Hewn, of course, will announce a long-term program that will put Britain at the forefront of the battle against climate change. The people there should just put their rags on now and sell their clothes uh, for some cash and spend it on things they need, maybe for heating or something, because it's going to get, <laughs> there's not much left for them really over there. Yeah. So cabinet ministers have agreed to a far-reaching, legally binding Green Deal that will commit the UK to two, two decades, 20 years, of drastic cuts in carbon emissions. Will there be no cars on the road? As a t- this is idea, though. This is Agenda 21. The package will require sweeping changes to domestic life, transport and business, and will take place Britain at the forefront of the global battle against climate change. It's, it's kind of like going in the ocean with, with the sword, trying to bash back the waves, you know, when the tide's coming in. Because it's all rubbish. It's all rubbish to start with. But they'll do, they'll do for what they get, with what they really want, what they really want out of this. The deal was hammered out after tense arguments with ministers who had agreed, disagreed over where the ambitious plans to switch to more green energy, more, more affordable. Well, it's already, the consensus is it's not affordable. This green stuff doesn't deliver anywhere near what it's, in fact, it, it costs more to run the darn things than, than they get back. So it's, it's, it's pointless. So anyway. Uh, they've come to agreements, of course, it was a must-be deal, and now the country has to commit to cutting back on everything and everything and everything and everything else. Goodbye, Britain. Mind you, they're not really Britain anymore. They're going to get carved up into different sections and join with other countries, and then our generation will be brought up in school with no history of, of a Britain or an England or a Scotland or Ireland or a Wales ever, ever again. And it'll be done quite easily and smoothly and slickly. Years ago, people talked about the infiltration of the U.S. by Marxism. And there's no pretense about it. Marxism is alive and well in every single university across the U.S. And Canada, too, for that matter. And 
people were, were right, they were booed, they were hissed, of course, because the Marxists made sure there's lots of followers who would boo and hiss when anybody mentioned what was going on. And, of course, a few authors came out a long time ago about this strange system. Quigley even talks about them, says we're often mistaken for communists what we do, what we plan and push at the Council on Foreign Relations, uh, because really the agenda is the same. They wanted uh, a socialist-type communistic uh, bureaucracy to run the public in a communistic fashion. It's far more efficient. Uh, they, they yell and you obey, or else you're off to Siberia. But uh, the fascists at the top would rule, of course, the very rich men of the world. And Rockefeller himself touched on that, how the bankers and the intellectuals would run the show, rather leaving it to the self-determination or auto-determination of, of individual sovereign nations. And I've done it all through treaties and all the rest of it. From a military magazine, Stand 2, a procedure priority first light to enhance unit security, a daily compendium of news, information, and context for army uh, leader navigation. Stand 2, it's called. It says, um, what it is, really, is, a, is a, a, an exchange basis for troops, Chinese troops, it's the People's Liberation Army, coming into the U.S. and to be trained, and U.S. ones going over there to be trained. For the New World Order, you understand, where it's all going to be lovely and green and awfully poor, and they're going to really need these armies to bash the folk into compliance and stop them rioting when things get bad, which eventually you'll get to that. They'll even know the exact... exact, They'll have graphs made out, I'm sure of it, where they'll know the exact point at which they push them over the line, and then the ragtag armies... They really are unorganized. It's just riots really will break out. And they'll need the armies, and they need lots of help too. So China will definitely be involved in it. And even the CFR's own books in the 1930s that predicted this would happen talked about bringing China in. So it says, um, it's really a PR piece to, to show you how well they're even exchanging music and troops and, and their laws and all that. They've got to teach them their laws. Because when they come in to manage you, they've got to know what your kind of laws are all about too, rather than just bash off the head and plasticize you hanging on a wire and sell you off as one of these wired corpses that they do. But anyway, things will come uh, as they come, and that's all there is about it. And we are so demoralized now, nothing shocks us. I mean, at one time, even the talk of rape itself is bad enough. But when you get bigwigs like that, dragging uh, people down corridors and raping them, uh, it really... It, it really should really get people very indignant and angry and so on. It doesn't. It doesn't because everyone's degraded now. We've been degraded generation by generation from really the 50s onwards and at an increasing, increasing pace, in fact, until sex is in every movie that you see, I think even in cartoons now, until we think nothing about anything at all. You've all watched sadomasochistic movies. So they, they tuck them in here, there, and everywhere where you recognize what you're watching or not. And you're being trained to, oh, well, yawn, yawn. Uh, so even, abor- even, even nothing shocks the public anymore. So that's why more and more of it can be done, actually. And now you've got, you've got schools arranging uh, secret abortions from New Zealand. It says schools are helping teenage girls keep abortions secret from their parents, uh, Imogen Neal reports. Now, I think other countries in the West have been doing that for years, actually. So New Zealand's eventually caught up. Uh, so, and it gives you a, the fact that a mother is angry, her 16-year-old daughter to a secret abortion arranged by a school counsellor. And the whole idea of school and socialisation of schools was to really um, bind the, the students to the teachers 
who wouldn't be terribly old, by the way. They've got rid of the church to get rid of the older teachers so that they can bind with people they can more identify with. And that separates them more from the parents as they degrade the parents anyway through all their lectures and their movies and comedies and everything else. They go through an actual abortion that happened and uh, how it works and so on. And how literally parents have no rights whatsoever. Exactly what Bertrand Russell talks about uh, in his his various uh, books back in the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s and 70s that uh, the state would take over all moral instruction. And by that, it, it didn't mean what they would teach them to be good. You know, good, that word good. Because morality itself is completely flexible. Anything, be, so whoever is authorized by the state is, is moral, you understand. And uh, the new, it's a new morality they've given them to break uh, ties with the old, the old past, you see. Where you had a society that you could walk around pretty safely, wherever you happen to be. That's gone these days. And the state would bring up, give them their new morals, and they would get it via their teachers and so on, whom they would trust and bond with, and that's already happened. So much so, lots of them have sex with their own teachers. But that's now common, too. We don't think much about that that either. It's so common. It's yon, yon time once more. Now, you might think, too, that, uh, and I mentioned it before, that all... The Facebook programs out there, uh, all the other programs here in MySpace, they all work with the NSA. If not directly funded and started up by them, in fact, and I think I'm more to think, I think it's the latter, personally. Uh, just like you're all the free scans, you get free virusware, all that kind of stuff. It's, it's, you don't get that kind of stuff free. It takes a lot of money and brain power and work to give you all that stuff free. And we all know, of course, they're selling your information, but mainly it's to get all your, your own personal data as you update it and put into your own little virtual you at the Pentagon where they can run programs with the virtual you knowing your personality and how you'll respond to all situations. They'll probably even know the breaking point cash-wise that you'll break at when you don't have enough cash to live on. I'm not kidding. These programs are actually run. But uh, he, here's L. Pariser, beware of online filter bubbles, it's called. It says you either have JavaScript turned off or you have an old version. Oh, it's makes for me. That's for my information. I don't use Java at all. Anyway, he goes through a talk on video. And it's also an, an audio. To, you don't need to watch the video. You get an MP3 download as well from this link I'm going to put up at the end of the broadcast. And he goes through how this actually works. And he, he mentioned himself that on his Facebook, you know, his, this uh, with it guy has uh, the Facebook as well. And uh, he had conservative and liberals. Apparently, people even bring their politics into it. And so they, these friends, you know, these f- fantastic fake friends that you all have. And he noticed eventually one day he got up and, and the two conservative friends, because the rest of them were all liberal, had just disappeared. And they went into it more and more. And he found out that Google and different organizations and Facebook were simply reading your profile, your own profile, and eliminating what they didn't want you to have. Or to look at. But they were also filtering the news that was sent to you. And not giving you a choice of look at everything. They're selecting the stuff to, 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 that they want you to. That will suit your personality. That's quite an interesting talk. And it kind of ties in with um, a, a CBC show that was done over the week, this weekend. To do with these sock puppets. Sock puppets, of course, are literally programs, computer programs 
They produce, they look at your personality profile, it's all done through algorithms, and then they create artificial friends for you. You won't know they're, they're not real. And they bombard you with artificial friends who will extract more information from you because you, you'll agree with lots of what they say. And it's all done by computer. But I'll put that link up for you too to have a gander at, as they say, a gander. And um, I guess it's the Air Force's idea of austerity because I think they're going to take the pilots out of the planes and give them maybe rocket-propelled broomsticks. And this article is genuine. It's from the Washington Times. The Air Force and Witchcraft, it says, Political correctness casts a spell on the armed forces. Um, it says, Sergeant Braddon Longcrier uses white sage to consecrate a pagan worship area on the hill overlooking the Cadet Chapel and the Visitor Center at the Air Force Academy just after sunrise on the World Winter Solstice, December 21st, 2009. Sergeant Longcrier is the pagan lay leader of the Academy, and, uh, and this is, they give you the, the, the official photographs and all the rest of it. The U.S.'s military success in Pakistan this week proved the importance of maintaining a team of focused and accomplished dangerous missions. Others on the left prefer to look upon the armed forces as a playground to experiment with fringe ideas, Take the Air Force Academy, which reportedly held a ceremony on Tuesday, to dedicate a pile of rocks in the Army's worship area for followers of Earth-centered religions. I guess it'll be bombing folk who are not green eventually too. You know, this is a space cadet. Uh, this is a space cadets can use. <laughs> space cadets, and maybe a bit of that too, can use to perform rituals if they happen to be witches, warlocks, and tree worshippers. Overlooking the visitor center, the stone circle is designed for the benefit of a handful of those claiming to be Wiccans or Druids. In a February 2010 article published on the Academy's website, the superintendent explained the pagan altar was required by regulations. The U.S. Air Force remains neutral regarding religious beliefs and will not officially endorse or disapprove any faith, belief, or absence of belief, wrote Lieutenant General Mike C. Gould. Mm. The Earth Center Spirituality Group that meets at the Air Force Academy falls within the definition of religion as defined in the U.S. Air Force Instruction Manual. And it gives you the number of it. All of the actual Wiccans and Druids died out hundreds of years ago. It was actually thousands of years ago that the Druids went out. The religions of the barbaric tribes of Europe faded away as the Roman conquest brought civilization to the region. Teachings once handed down by oral tradition were entirely forgotten over time. Around the 1950s, fringe leftists enamored with the concept of worshipping the earth, adopted the ancient labels and pretended to follow the old ways. They weren't, by the way, fringe leftists. They were actually put out by the Frankfurt School that, that, that saw that they could actually put a lot of laws through, which would lead up to the greening agenda and so on, by creating a religion for people who were not too wise, uh, just blind followers, and make it exciting for the youth, you know. Uh, maybe a, the, the occasional uh, sacrifice here. Anyway, they just left out the inconvenient bits like human sacrifice, it says. They have likenesses of immense size and limbs of which are composed of wicker and they fill with living men. That's the wicker man. The old movie, Wicker Man, you should see, by the way. Uh, I'm talking about the old version that was done. Um, they go through a lot of the, the, the pagan worship of some of the old sects. And it has the wicker man at the end where they actually put people inside along with the animals and burn it as an offering to the sun god, to the sun deity. Anyway, it says here, this is uh, this Julius Caesar's talking about it here. They have likenesses of immense size, the limbs of which are comprised of wicker that they fill with living men, wrote Julius Caesar. 
described, and he described it, a, a, a Druid ceremony. But he got that from Tacitus, actually, who was his historian. He sent him over there. He was quite fascinated by the Druid ceremonies. He says, after these are set on fire, the men inside perish in the flames. Uh, they probably weren't terribly green people there, you know. Probably that was their punishment. To ensure no modern-day Druid misses out on important ceremonies, the Air Force maintains a multi-phase calendar. Last year, Lammas fell on August the 8th. This is one of the eight major high days of Druid and Wiccan calendar. The document noted high day observances include evening prayer vigils and ritual dances, Wiccans and Druids, uh, and any neo-pagans on Evening work uh, shifts may require time off for high day observances. It says the Air Force is not alone in pandering at Aberdeen Proving Grounds in Maryland Wednesday. The Army hosted a live fire demonstration of its new M855A1 ammunition, which boasts an environmentally friendly projectile. I wonder if it cleans up all the body parts as it splatters them all over the, generally it's the desert. The new copper-tipped round gives military brass the opportunity to brag to members of Congress that they're doing something to heal the planet while waging war. I guess that's Putin depleting uranium across the place too. This opens an interesting question. Did SEAL Team 6 use green bullets to take down Osama bin Laden, or will the Navy have to offset the carbon footprint of its highly successful mission? Uh, so it's a complete fraud, as we well know. Uh, but anyway, this is how crazy things are now. And... Um, They've had them in Canada too for years, little Wiccan ceremonies. And Wiccan is, is quite the thing. I mean, really, the enticement is sex. And uh, I guess that's okay in this day and age because uh, anything goes. Uh, that's how down we've come to. And, of course, an immoral society cannot stand for long. You're ruled very easily by a, 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 a tiny minority at the top. And that's the history, again, of paganism. Easily ruled by tyrants. Back with more after this break. We're back and we're cutting through the matrix. Now, in this global system that's, that's coming in, of course, some countries are ahead of others. And Britain's always a flagship for bringing all the new things that we have to all to adopt very quickly. And they did the trials in Britain because they're very passive. I think Sir Thomas Moore said that, too. He says they're not prone to rebellion. They, they obey their masters very well. Anyway, uh, this article here is about what, what must be done to bring the world into play because, you see, they're not happy enough with all the other freebies they get and all the taxes they get, say, the EU Economic Union or the United Nations. They want, they want a, a, basically, they call it um, a value-added tax, which they brought into Britain first, and now it's across the whole of Europe. And it started, of course, uh, oh, it's okay, it won't be on expensive things that you don't need. Like luxury goods. That's how they introduced it. And then they, 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 of course, they lie. And that's what politicians are there for. That's what they're picked for. And psychopaths lie very easily. It's second nature. Anyway, um, they eventually put it on everything right across the board. And it's up to over 20% in some countries, sometimes 25% in others, for every purchase that you make on any item. So to be, join this world community, you must have a, a, a value-added tax. And Brian Mulroney brought it in, in Canada after, he t- after the, 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 the shouted down the, the value-added tax, he just changed the name into, into a GST, general sales tax. 
Uh, same thing, it's still a value-added It is the value-added tax. And then last year they harmonized it. You know, they love getting these, these nice neural-sounding things better. You know, they put in there like harmony, like a barbershop harmony. It sounds good. It's a positive word, ball like harmony, don't we? But really, it's a com- combined tax now with your provincial sales tax. It's like a, steals, a state's sales tax combined with it. It says it's a, in a finely balanced study released Wednesday, the panel said the 12% tax is already adding hundreds of millions of extra dollars to the Treasury, contrary to the government's initial prediction that tax breaks and rebates would balance off the new tax revenue from the HST. So they lied again. What do you expect, though? You know, and then they'll lie about that and lie about everything else. Uh, that hasn't happened, the panel said. The HST, or value-added tax, or harmonized sales tax, is raising more revenue than was predicted. This is just for British Columbia. It's across Canada now. With each passing year, the HST will continue raising more revenue because it taxes a broader base of goods and services. So they're telling you right out, eventually it's going to be on everything that you buy. As a result, the panel warned that killing the HST... So so, so because it's, it's getting too much in and, and way more than they said it would have and all the rest of it, they, they, they say, oh, but we can't really kill the HST and return to separate provincial and federal sales tax because that would cost the government more than half a billion dollars in the first year. Well, it would be far better losing that than what you're going to be paying in two or three years' time when they put it across the board and everything. Why don't just kill it right now? They said, oh, that will imperil public services and delay a balanced budget by at least a year, the panel said. Well, they cook the books anyway, so what's the difference? They can make it a budget wherever they want. They never manage to pay the, anything on the debt, just on, just on the interest. HST proponents, including the Liberal government, argued that reduced taxes paid by businesses under the new tax system will generate economic growth and create jobs, just like Britain. Look, look at the mess that's in. The panel agreed, but termed the extent of... Uh, Economic improvement expected by 2020 uh, under the HST important, albeit modest, with a higher growth rate of only 1.1%. Uh, that's, that's really how it's going to help the people by 1.1%. Balute everybody by hundreds of percents, <laughs> percentages. So what a joke. And any, any real gro- uh, job growth will be minimum, they said. Minimum or modest. Plundered again, eh? Governments are the problem, folks. We keep voting. From Hamish, myself, Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me. Your God or your gods go with you.